Hello and welcome to Ops in Lockdown. This week we'll be talking to Andy Poole from Team Services and our chosen subject is scheduling. Today we're going to be talking about scheduling um, and I think this is quite um, a relevant topic, all things considered. Um, we're going to be looking at where we can make a difference, um, not just for autumn 2020, where we're obviously hoping that uh, we're going to have an exceptional uh, season back in our venues, um, or possibly not, but we're going to use the tools that we talk about today for hopefully some future planning generally anyway. There's always lots of talk in our industry about shorter tenancies and how unsafe they are um, and how it's more and more important that we focus on delivering safe events. But we just want to broaden that focus um, about how we create events more efficiently. And efficiency isn't just about time, it's about doing things in the most methodical way, um, making the most of all of the um, things that we have at our disposal, whether that's time or space or, um, or, or scheduling different trades in at different times. What we have at the moment is a really unique opportunity because we've got a pause button where we could all sit and talk about this and agree a different way of working. But also we've got an opportunity because the existing contracts that our industry are underpinned on the basis of could potentially now be talked about and, and changed in terms of our tenancy times could be talked about because we're in a crisis and we could request things that we might not normally request or we could speak to contractors that are on long-term contracts and just look at things in a different way. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Andy Paul. For those of you that don't know him, he is a co-founder of Team Services. I've worked with Andy for 25 plus years now, um, and we can still talk for hours and hours and hours about scheduling. Um, so when deciding who is going to ask to talk to about this subject, there is no one other than I'd like to talk to you, Andy. So. <laughs> Thank you. Are you ready? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> what are you going to ask me? Right. <laughs> Question one. There's an argument to say that doing it the way we've always done it is not getting us anywhere, regardless of COVID. What do you think we could be doing to make our build periods more efficient? Hmm. Okay. Um, I think the key is to make things event specific. You know, how often do we uh, you know, do things generically um, and not look at what that specific event requires? Um, it starts off with a floor plan, doesn't it? You know, it's floor plan design. Designing something that can be built um, in the time period we have, with the facilities we have. Um, yeah. Who's, you know, who's responsible for it? Who, who has input into that floor plan design? Does it all mm -hmm. it comes from, you know, to start with, it comes from a, uh, a show director maybe, led by the sales team. Um, ops are then uh, given the, the job of making it happen yeah. um, without little input into that. Um, yeah. You know, how many times do we see a show where the biggest two or three exhibitors that the show is sold around um, are right in the front of the show? Steer work, all singing, all dancing, um, uh, right in the front of the hall, which makes the logistics of it very challenging straight away. Yeah. From off. 
Um, so how can we make them more efficient? Um, I suppose communication, isn't it, is the, is the key. Mm. Um, I guess, like I said, going back to your first point, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the floor plan design. Um, when we looked to put a show with a decent tenancy into a venue that had no tenancy, and we had to squeeze it, squeeze it in, and squeeze it out of the back end. And the first thing we did, uh, you and I, let's sit down and figure out um, what the rules of that floor plan were. And in, in that situation, the organiser came to us first because they knew it was totally unrealistic and, and therefore said, how are we going to do this? So it's how, how do, yeah, I guess it's how we get our organisers and our sales teams and event directors to ask that question on a normal show, not just one that's you're trying to squeeze in and squeeze out, but on a regular show, how can ops... Um, be part of that first conversation about where you place the big blocks um, at the get-go. And then um, just to remind everyone, keep your chat open, everybody, and any ideas we'll put on the um, on the programme afterwards. So on, the, on that show that we were talking about in particular, um, you probably remember... On the show I've mentioned. On the other one, the one that went into the national uh, with the rigging, that one. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we basically had a, a you know 16 odd ton in the roof of the national. We had to pull it out in one night, and we also had to put it in in two days rather than five. So what the first thing we did there was um, we changed the floor. We made the floor plan operationally sensible, and we placed all of our big blocks away from the others so we could play Tetris. Yeah. It kind of worked. It worked pretty well, didn't it? It did. Yeah. Um, uh... It, it couldn't have worked any other way, to be honest. Had you not micromanaged every element of that, and we and we discussed from from the onset who was allowed in, when they were allowed in, um, what area they would need, what what their trucks, uh, how many trucks they were going to have, um, what were they going to do with their empties, how long that was going to take. Um, it, it's every element, isn't it? Looking at and it is the micromanagement. And once those areas are then clear, we bring the next wave in. Um, mm. And you sort of, it is a Tetris game and you build out from the middle out. Um, and yeah, there's too many events that don't do that. Um, mm. And now not every event needs that sort of micromanagement, um, but certainly aspects of that can be applied to pretty much every event anybody works on. Yeah. I mean, the, the downside of that, I don't know if you, any of you saw an article I stuck on LinkedIn this weekend, the downside of that is it doesn't just happen. Like, it, that takes an awful lot of operational planning in the run-up and I think for all of us that are putting out a number of shows in a given season it takes an extra level of planning uh, to fit into the equation and um, that you know that detail of figuring out what's on every truck and what time every truck's arriving and and then how quickly they're they're um they're pulling that stuff off and clearing the hours again um, and then it also takes a massive amount of uh, smoothing on site as well. We had, um, we got the firemen in, didn't we, on that one, just to have some people to smooth things through, like mm. to do the things nobody else wanted to do. But it's also getting the venues to buy into it as well, isn't it? And allowing things that they wouldn't ordinarily allow, um, working outside of hours, behind closed doors, vehicle restrictions, noise restrictions, mm. all those sort of elements that have to be taken into account. To facilitate yeah. what you need uh, welfare yeah. welfare because you're doing things 
through sort of late evening and into into the into the night um and yeah looking at all those aspects mm, yeah so on the um actually leads into a quick another question on on the welfare kind of side of things but also on um who that affects so if we're potentially looking at tighter builds in the autumn and and uh, a potential change to the industry going forward which parts of our industry the contracting community are most likely to suffer do you think with alternative hours all of us, <laughs> every single one of us, you know, it, it, it affects everything, doesn't it? It, it affects the, the, from the onset, the, the, the venues, you know, the venues have got to be, they've got to stay open for longer, longer periods of time. They've got to put on some of their base um, facilities, uh, whether mm. it remains, whether it be sort of access, traffic, security, all those sort of things from the contractors. They've got to split their teams. How many times do we see split tenancies where we're, we're, we're trying to encourage people not to work more than sort of 12 hours and they've got an evening shift coming in. So mm. you need you need more people. Um, are there that number of people around? You know, from, from chippies, qualified chippies, competent chippies, electricians, site managers, organisers. Mm. Um, oh, I've lost you in the industry at the moment i don't think to do the job that they need to do you know they're setting off in the middle of the night to put overnight fits in uh working during the day driving down to london to do a rip out you know they're just not here so if mm. you increase those tenancy total that those hours it's just going to weaken and dilute the staff and the quality of staff that you put out um you know from our side we've got a limited number of people that mm. we can call on if i've then got to use uh, a very experienced person to work th through the night to to oversee three chippies or you know somebody painting a wall because the venues require that level of cover in their hall then mm -hmm. i'm wasting a bloody good you know member of staff um uh, you know at a, a quiet time when i could better utilize them during the day yeah um, and that's going to be the same for other people you know chip it, um, contractors are going to have to put foreman in through the night that would be better served during the day um, mm. venues, it, it just goes across the board it, yeah. worries me. It, it worries me yeah i think especially since we've lost we we will have lost some of our um some of our labor from the end of this because delivery driving is a lot more lucrative right now than being a chippies and um, aldi's yeah exactly i mean one of the things that's kind of going in on the kind of cross association questions to the industry is is that question about you know how how does a site team um manage an overnight is it possible to dilute the competency level um for a one contractor in a hall working overnight do they need a you know a fully qualified floor manager and things like that but you're right it's um and i i always come back to the kind of um the answer to so much of this is money like I think sometimes our community are so used to um, there not being money that we've almost forgotten to tell people what the options are. It's not it's not the whole solution, but actually, if we paid our our people more money to do a job in less sociable hours, there are some parts of our world and and our labour force in the country that actually might might like a job that's 
in the twilight hours, for example. But we don't ever tap into that because we never go, there's 20 grand on the table, do you want it? Yeah. <laughs> all working in a different way. Right, so um, <clears throat> next question. Uh, so sometimes there's key reasons that are outside of any of our control, uh, which have a very big positive or negative effect on the build or break of a show. How can we get control of those? And I'm going to just stick an example out there of, um, of a contractor who told me it would be impossible to get that show out in the time that they had given. And then it just happened to fall on a, on a night where Chelsea were playing at eight o'clock and the show was clear by eight. How do we, how do we, um, there's loads of things like football, clashing of other events, kids arriving from somewhere else. There's so many things that are outside of our control, positive and negative. How, got any ideas how we can grapple or even get some foresight on that? Crystal ball? Yeah. Um, again, it comes down to communication, doesn't it? Uh, I think... Uh, if you put your head in the sand and just think your event's going to happen, or, uh, you know, whatever uh, cost, then, then you're living in dreamland. You've got to communicate. You've got to look at, yes, sporting diaries, but you've got to start speaking to your contractors. You've got an event in September. You know there are 100 other events going on that month and that shell scheme, AV, uh, furniture, uh, and people are coming and going to other events at different times. Mm. So it's got to start off with that communication, isn't it? Um, at, at early doors, we're going to have an event at this time. What are our challenges? You know, I've, I've done many events, as we've all done, where, um, uh, you know, the big sort of shell scheme contractors have turned around and said, you know, we're going to flood this. We've got to put it all in in a day. Um, and we're probably going to charge you as a client to do it because we need extra labour. But that, mm. that, that labour's got to be... In Manchester tomorrow, I haven't got as much labour. What do you do? You know, you, you can only communicate with these people and 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 talk about things and look at how best you can get around them. Sporting events is one, isn't it? You know, when you lose your breakdown crew um, at, at six thirty because they're all going to watch a match um, and they told you they're ripping stuff out. I've mm. I've been in a show where we lost all our stand fitters and it was a one night pullout. And, and their term, their, their, their argument was, well, we're going. They're all subbies. Um, mm. And the foreman was left sort of, you know, scratching his head, wondering what he was going to do. They ended up running into the following day and they got fined. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, a lot of it can be done pre-show, can't it? Um, sales teams, competitive yeah. events. Where does kit come from? You know, we've but got... The we thing is, so going back to the football thing, I mean, I've been in, you know, doing this for 25 years or so, and I don't have on my ops checklist... Um, check the check the football program, um, right. and yeah, it totally should be. But actually, should it be on mine? Should it be on on the foreman? Should it be? You know, do we need to be holding our our contractors accountable for knowing that? I mean, there's no, I don't think so. I think you know, just if, if you chat to one of the big sort of shell scheme contractors and and say, right, this is what we want to achieve. You would like to think they would have a chat with their foreman and, and the foreman would sort of come mm. up with that. I mean, I don't follow the football and, and I hear about those things to the last minute. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, it, it's one small element, isn't it? But mm. I think a, a company is not going to let their whole workforce, or decent companies, not going to let their whole work, workforce walk out without having somebody having mentioned it beforehand. 
Um, yeah. But you could do something. I mean, I've, I've done shows where they've put a screen up during <laughs> breakdown for people to watch something. So those that are interested can have an hour or something and, and, and keep yeah. an eye. You know, I mean, there's yeah. other things you can do, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so what are the best um, weapons in our arsenal when it comes to scheduling? We put a floor plan, obviously, kind of foreseeing yeah. issues in terms of labour. Um, what else? Well, yeah, yeah the, the floor plan, well, knowledge and experience, I think, is, the, is foremost um, the, the strongest elements there. Uh, you said the floor plan design. I mean, designing a show that can be built, and I'll repeat it because it is so important. I don't think that so many clients do not see the importance of designing something that can be built, that can work for uh, from a building and breakdown, but also from a visitor experience. Um, but the knowledge and experience that's out there um, is, is incredible isn't it if you look at the, the the amount of contractors that have done shows for 20 years you know they've outseen five different ops teams three different sales teams more more than sales teams um and often different owners of events yeah um, so that knowledge and experience with your official contractors um is i i think is invaluable Mm. Speak, speak if you're a new a new client to a show or a new ops person to a show the first thing that you should do is chat to every one of them as every person that you can find that's worked on that show before and milk them for any information they've got <laughs> the good the bad and the ugly well speaking of milking them for information uh, i think yeah we've talked we've talked on and certainly on our bigger shows you, you know we factor in a couple of days of consultancy with with you within the planning because what you and I can achieve with a floor plan on the big table in front of us where we scratch and scribble and make notes and, and come up with ideas together is the biggest thing. And, and this has come up on um, a number of um, these sessions actually and also the AEO forum and it just keeps coming up is that we've lost that original production meeting. I mean, when I was growing up, I used to sit like next to Stevie in the in the big meeting room at Owls Court while we were, you know, Freeman or you know, OPEX or whatever they were called at the time. The venue were in there. All the the feature contractors were in the room. The the site management team was in the room. All the key players, the stakeholders, were all in the room, and we just bash it all out there. And I'd just sit there and take notes. But I would learn so much from that, and every person in the room did as well. Um, and more and more, I just don't see how we can square this autumn away or any other season away going forward without production meetings coming back into the mix. Yeah, I think they're useful. Uh, but, but, and we've all, every one of us in this room, have sat in countless meetings that have been a waste of time where yeah, it's, really. maybe it's not been constructed correctly. I think Zoom and things like this, this sort of format and forum mm -hmm. would be fantastic going forward. I don't need, I don't, I my, you know, my time off-site is, is quite valuable. Spending um, a day out of the office at a meeting where actually there's only a small fraction of that is relevant mm -hmm. um, it is, is actually sort of pointless. I think scheduling this sort of, of, of meeting, I think, will be paramount in the future. Yeah. Go COVID. Absolutely absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> covid's revolutionized us <laughs> well it, it certainly helped hasn't it yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. I, for one, never thought I'd ever see you on a Zoom with more no. than 10 people on it, that's for sure. I've got a face for radio, me, so. <laughs> um, so another thing that we, we always talk about via service desk somewhere is that, that kind of, and we talked about it a little bit in terms of space and time and flow, and that, and that does link into the floor plan situation, but so often we're, um, we're building our shell scheme when the space onlys are trying to get in. Yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> it's very frustrating, isn't it? I think events where we've tackled those elements, and I say we as the collective, not just, you know, us, where, where you, you, you know, you've looked at an area, it, it could have been offset from a, we've got a crane job in the middle of the hall. Um, that's going on we can't do it early hours because we're back to back and there's a big lift going on in the middle of the hall therefore we need access and egress from that so therefore we're not going to build certain elements um, and the first people to kick off are the shell skiing guys um, oh well we've got to get it down we've got to get this in we've got to get the carpet laid in an hour you know they've got another job to go to and you get all these sort of knock-on sort of conversations and then so you, you end up scheduling it say well we've got to do it and it ends up working like a dream. And they come back to you at the end and you go, that went in really well. Um, <laughs> and you think, well, yes, because you stayed out of our way. We stayed out of your way. You factored it in beforehand. Instead of bringing 40 guys and 20 of them stood around, you brought in 20 guys and they kept working for that period of time. It didn't mm. cost you any more money. It's a little bit more organization pre-show, but you, you, you build it in the order you want to build it. Therefore, yes. everybody can get in, everybody can get out, you know. Trev, yeah. Trev and Maria at Slap Up, you know, they do hundreds of shows a year where they're bringing in Arctic after Arctic after Arctic. You know, they need to get this stuff to stand. Um, and and if, if the stuff in the way and shell scheme being built on a three-day build, why are they building shell scheme at eight o'clock in the morning? <laughs> get these guys in, get them set, let yeah. them find their space, then build around them. All that stuff yeah. can happen afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't... Uh, I just liken it to Tetris, you know, that really pressure, stressy point where, where you're right, right at the top of the Tetris game and you get one of those really long, thin ones, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, what do I do with that one? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of feels like our build-up sometimes. You get yeah. some big piece of a puzzle, like, you know, a tank or, like, something that needs craning or, or you know, just a big piece of stand fitting, and, and you've buggered yourself up totally because the shell's there and then you end up having those conversations with the shell guys going can you take it down please can you put it back it's up not, again it's not just that though is it it's, it's steel work things like that you know mm -hmm. people come in with this steel work and everything around them and then they'll want to get five fortless rounds to lift the steel work up mm. um, uh, you know so everything sort of go, is it is in condensed around the stand then you have to do that to get in five fortless to then do that again it affects yeah. everything and everyone so mm. it's, it, you know you talk we talk about scheduling but it's scheduling back um to to, to if, if it's possible and where possible for elements mm. coming in you yeah. know not, not bringing the drinks cabinet and the furniture in with the steelwork yeah um, you know it's basic things that, that, that a lot of contractors can do to help themselves or to help others um there's, there's too many people out there that sort of out for number one and not considering everything else mm. um, so so um, one of the things that uh, we've um, looked at a lot is kind of the common elements of a build and break. Um, and so my next question is going to be kind of, this is a tricky one because we don't, we don't ever want it to go 
back 30 years to where a venue has a contract, like a core contractor, because that we all know that that has its own downsides. But um, when you're looking at efficiency, if you were just looking at it entirely from a non-exhibition point of view and you just stood on a lorryway and watched show come in, show come out, show come in, show come out, um, you have to at least question why forklifts get dropped off, picked up, dropped off, picked up, dropped off, picked up, dropped off, and I could go on and on and on for about 55 minutes on the forklift being dropped on, dropped off. And the same with plant hire, and the same with any other things like, you know, tools, ladders, what are, what, where could we start in terms of commonality, in terms of venues, perhaps, starting to facilitate the movement of shows in and out um yeah i think there's quite a lot of common elements isn't there i mean you've mentioned for this i mean that's an obvious one for a start um having venues in in, in control of that and to save stuff coming in and off site it's cost it's time it's space um yeah. radio hire um furniture you know there's, there's so much common there's only a certain amount of office furniture isn't there um, maybe communication between clients coming in before and post and seeing what those common elements are um, and trying to trying to stop wasting money and time. Um, yeah. There's AV, shell scheme, you know, a shell scheme panel is used on every show, isn't it? You know, having little corners of halls that we can agree we're clear up first, leave some of Freeman's elements ready for the following day. Uh, it doesn't have to be the whole show. It can be some carpet rolls. It can be some furniture. It can be... Um, mm. As long as it doesn't stop mains, pools, or rigging, um, you know, there's always a void corner or a quiet corner or a feature area that can be used to drop stuff off. Um, rather so than doing it six o'clock. Why do you think that doesn't happen? Cost. Venues. Sorry, unfortunately, it's commercial, isn't it? Mm. It's, um, uh, you know, venues don't like organisers talking to each other at the best of times. Oh, right. Uh, so, um, and it, it, yeah, it is cost. Some of the bigger venues, obviously, big VCs behind them, aren't they? they, they, they they're, they're trying to screw every single penny out of them. How many times have we had a void in a, in a hall at the NEC um, and not be able to use it because you're on a take-up deal? Um, mm. How frustrating that you can't leave some stillages, some storage, some ladders, some trolleys uh, in, in a corner. You're not making any revenue from it. It's mm. just there to facilitate a smooth build-up, yeah. a build breakdown. It's the most frustrating. Them. Yeah, and I would say, um, you know, talking to Tom Edwards at Excel, for example, he feels very frustrated by that that situation anyway, but also on the other side, as in, we all know that the relationships that have been well invested in that are curated and, and you know, you spend a long time developing relationships. On one show, you could leave something there, and on another, you couldn't. It's so, yeah. it's that great, the it's the grey, um, the grey economy that we operate in sometimes that we all, we all take part in, yeah. um, and the last thing we would ever want to do is for that those grey areas to be taken away, but at the same time, yeah, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? I think I think what we're looking for is is we we want everybody to engage, and we we need the venues to help us um, a, a little bit more than they have. And, and realise, and I think COVID has been one of these the, the, the times that where it's actually come to the forefront that some some all of a sudden people have realised that everybody needs to make money. 
Yeah. You know, the venues need to make money. The contractors need it. The, you know, the organisers, the us. You know, we've all got businesses. Everybody at every mm. level of this tier, um, and we're all trying to make a few quid. Otherwise, yeah. we wouldn't be here. And if it just comes from the venues that everything is charged for. Um, then, you know, some of these events are going to suffer, aren't they? Post-COVID, there's going to be some collateral damage. Um, yeah. Whether that be to, to, the, to the, the shows themselves, um, whether they are completely run, whether there yeah. are uh, the, the exhibitors that are coming in, the contractors that are building them, there's going to be a very different uh, sort of uh, outlook. And yeah. I think the venues really need to engage and see what we can do as a partnership um yeah. and see how we can tackle these these bits of elements yeah right we're nearly out of time so i'm just going to look through a couple of the questions in here uh, so imogen um has asked how are you ensuring that people stick to the floor plan are you enforcing any formal timings time slots and monitoring of this now i'm probably um okay to answer this one andy you can chip in but I mean, <clears throat> that the show that we talked about where we said, right, you need all your big blocks to be apart from each other. By the time we got to the show, and actually one of our ops managers at the time is on this call, probably laughing right now because it looked nothing like we wanted it to at the beginning, <laughs> heads in hands. Um, however, um, for anyone that's worked with me will know um, my common reference point is it's a numbers game. You know, if we can get 10% of our of what's in our control to shift sometimes that can be enough to ease up some uh, some time if you can get 20 great if it's a if it's a five-year plan and you're moving towards something numbers we never we don't work in a finite fixed um job do we <laughs> like most of everything's outside of our control but if we can shift things to a direction it does quite often make all all the difference um but yeah, definitely we want to tighten up and tighten up, but we have to recognise sometimes that results in a negative NPS score on the post-show report. You know, we've still got to be customer facing. It's a, it's a difficult one. Um, and as uh, said a good point to me privately, um, but um, I'm going to say it publicly, some good points for our venue session, which I have to tell you, I've got some exciting news. We've got um, Gillian, the head of Olympia, um, on one of our sessions uh, coming up. So we will ask her all of this stuff then, for sure. Um, just going back to a comment that's been picked up um, earlier about competency of health and safety on site during overnights, we're definitely not implying that there shouldn't be anywhere, any, I promise you. Well, we're just uh, perhaps saying that it could be risk assessed as to what level of competency that might might equate to, might free up yeah. some additional, um, additional pool of resource, I guess. And also, some uh, maybe getting the likes of Freemans and GES to... To, to put forward some competent people so you know we're not dragged in at five o'clock in the morning to watch carpet be unloaded you know yeah. why can't they self-police that so that's all down to risk assessment is common sense yeah absolutely definitely and save you legends for the stuff you do best eh what sorry and save you legends for doing the stuff you do best eh <laughs> right so we're totally out of time thank you andy you are a superstar as always um,